Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the TD Fantasy. The TD Fantasy Podcast. TD Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. TD Fantasy Podcast, Paige DeMarcos and Jamie Eisner. There's nothing for us to talk about today. We have absolutely no football to discuss at all. So, Jamie, what would you like to discuss today? Should we get into something else today? Food yeah, I mean, the, the weather's been, uh, you know, nice <laughs> I don't know. Is there, is there anything sports-related? I mean, baseball's almost here. That's that's cool. Pitchers have been reporting like a month. True. It's, uh, it's a good time to remind everybody that uh, it's 70 degrees and sunny here and everywhere else. Uh, shout out to my family that listens. Shout out to my family that listens to the podcast in Kansas City and Chicago. Uh, it's cold. So uh, always, always a good time to work that in. But there's obviously plenty to talk about. And we'll start with the first game. Kind of kind of came down to exactly what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a really close game. And I think if there is a call at the end of the game, which we all know um, was clearly, clearly a missed call uh, at the end of the game, you probably are seeing a Brady Breeze Super Bowl. And I kind of yeah. expected that to happen. But at the end of the day, you can't leave things down to that one moment. And I know it's, if I was a fan of that team, I'd be losing my mind. Um, but that's that's part of the game. And you can't can't let the refs, you know, make that play at the end of the game. I mean, I know I know it's tough as a Saints fan, but you, you got to make plays throughout that game to, to win the game and to shut the, shut the Rams out. I won't spend too much time on the call because it's being talked about literally everywhere. I, yep. I can't wait for them to have – referee on like good morning good morning america or something like that at this point could go with Cody Parkey on this situation here so i won't spend too much time on that anybody who has eyes and has any understanding of the game of football knows there was multiple penalties on that play it's normal it's pass interference he gets there early uh he's face guarding he never gets his head back for the ball it looks like it's contact with the helmet i mean all of those things are set are penalties on their own and somehow that wasn't called but um, and obviously that, that changes the game. The Saints have like a 98% chance of winning if they get that call there. Um, it's not 100%, but they have a damn good chance of just that game being over uh, if they get that call there. The point I want to bring up is, is a couple different things with the Saints here. Because this game followed a very similar script to their first game against the Rams earlier this year where they get out to that big lead and then the Rams kind of get their way back. And I think that was – the biggest difference for me in this game was – the Rams didn't panic when they got behind because we have seen times this year, late in the year, where they haven't played a lot from behind, but it seems like they've been – they get run over early in games on the road and they seem to almost panic. Uh, they didn't. They didn't panic in this game. Uh, I thought as much as people were complaining about it on social media, Sean McVay sticking with C.J. Anderson over Ty Gurley was the correct decision. He can say that all he wants like Ty Gurley, this wasn't a health thing. It's a health thing. Gurley's not healthy. He missed the final two games of the year. He looked good last week, but he only had limited touches. C.J. Anderson way out-touched him in the divisional round. He clearly looked like he wasn't ready to play in this game, and C.J. Anderson was running pretty fine. So I thought that was a strong decision by them. And even after the penalty, I want to go back to that last drive when the Saints end up getting that field goal. You throw on first down, which one I disagree with, but – Drew Brees hits that throw nine out of ten times. That is just a quick slant, and Brees missed it. Brees did not 
play like Drew Brees in this game. And I know if you look at the final stats and you didn't watch the game, you might go, oh, his stats look pretty good. He must have, he must have had a really good game, 249 yards, two touchdowns. But he just didn't look himself. He was missing throws he normally would make. And I think that was the key of the reason why the Saints couldn't even pull away more in the second half. They only scored 10 points in the second half in overtime. Yeah, uh, I mean, it reminded me a lot of that game. You bring up a, good, a really good point. It reminded me a lot of the game where they played earlier on in the season and the Saints just were not able to put away the Rams and they couldn't keep up with them. And Drew Brees played significantly better in the first game where they matched up against each other. Uh, in this game, I thought, you know, as, as a, as a Drew Brees, I'm, I'm captain of the Drew Brees fan club. I don't think he gets enough credit. Uh, everybody on this podcast is a big Drew Brees fan, but I would say over the last month and a half, uh, he hasn't looked great. Uh, they, he has struggled since they played in Dallas on Thursday night football and hasn't looked the same since then. Cause before that I was on this podcast screaming about how he was the MVP and you'll notice how my tune changed because he didn't look like the MVP down the stretch. No, he didn't. And, and it's just, it's look, I don't, I don't have any long-term concerns. He says he's probably coming back next year. I expect him to be still one of the 10 best QBs in the league next year. Um, although again, at some point the regression is going to happen and, and it's not, you know, for everybody. I mean, even Tom Brady, we'll talk about him a little bit. While he hasn't regressed a lot, he's still very good. He's regressed from his peak. Uh, it just happens. Father time is still undefeated no matter what, no matter what, what the situation is. I, I just, this to me was what New Orleans was building for. They had that a long, they had that three year stretch where they went seven to nine. They had a ton of cap problems. They had some bad contracts and some bad deals going on that really hindered them from getting better. And then they started to move some pieces around. You know, they make that Jimmy Graham trade to get a Pro Bowl center and a first round pick from Seattle. Uh, and they start to kind of rebuild things. They got out of cap hell and they, they drafted really, really well. They draft Ingram, they draft Kamara, they get my, they draft Michael Thomas and they start to rebuild the Marshawn Lattimore. You know, I mean, they, they start to rebuild what this team is and they're still Super Bowl contenders. They're going to be Super Bowl contenders next year. They were actually like a trendy pick in the preseason of, Teams outside the upper echelon that many thought could make the Super Bowl. But to me, it's that I just – and the Rams are a damn good team. There's no shame of losing to the Rams. But I just – to me, it's I'm that defense in New Orleans is still missing something. And, and I don't know what it is. And, and they didn't play poorly in this game. But they didn't, they didn't create enough plays that I think – and I think that was the whole thing for all four of these teams. I didn't think any defense has created enough plays overall – to really carry the team and they let the offense get back into this game. And again, we've talked about it a lot. I know we don't like talking about kickers too terribly much, but Greg Zerline for my money is the best kicker in the NFL and has been for a few years now. And yeah. with that, that game winning 57 yard field goal, you see why it's worth spending a little bit of money at that position. If you can, Will Lutz also one of the three or four best kickers as well. Yeah, trust me, you cannot convince me otherwise that if the Bears had Greg Zerloin that they would be facing it, they would be matching up against the Patriots. I am fully convinced that that is exactly what would be happening if they had a kicking game as strong as Greg Zerloin. Uh, uh, so, maybe, uh, maybe. I, you can't, you can't knock me off I that. I, I think I wasn't impressed by the way the Rams or the Saints played. Like neither one of those no. teams looked in any game that they played. Like as strong as these teams have looked throughout the season. They never showed me a playoff performance that looked like anywhere near what they look like at the peak of their regular season. And that's why I just no. think those two teams, that's why I'm so, I don't want to say uninterested in the Super Bowl, but I am 
not ex- not as excited about the Rams versus Brady because I just assume that Belichick and Brady are going to dismantle the Rams because I just don't think that they have I think it's going to be very much like a coach and we'll get into that at the end of this, but I, I would much rather it have been breeze and Brady playing each other. Um, and I, I'm not and so I, sure about that actually, I'm really not so sure about that because I, we'll talk about more later. Like, look, there's always the factor of Patriots fatigue, which I think it plays in to this a ton. Um, but I, I, I do think the Patriots defense is really nothing special. No, for so sure. I, I don't think they're going to have that easy of a time slowing the Rams down. No, I, and I would agree with you, but they if they make just one or two plays, which they did against the Chiefs, who are, in my opinion, a better offense than the Los Angeles Rams, I think that they have enough, and I just trust in Belichick now to be able to take away the number one thing that the Rams want to do. And that's exactly I, – I didn't think Tyreek Hill would get shut down at all. And we'll get into that at the, at the next game. Are there any parting thoughts that you have other than referees r- making people lose their minds – uh, the Saints kind of being disappointing because that was my overall theme of this game. I was disappointed. I expected to see the Saints at home really have a, a what I would call a bounce back performance after that game at home where against Philadelphia where they really got lucky to get into the next round because I think Philadelphia had Alshon Jeffrey caught that ball. We're talking about Philadelphia playing in that game. Uh, it, I, I just I think I was a little disappointed. That's the that's the only word I can use. I was disappointed in the performance from from the Saints. I didn't think Drew Brees played great, and I wasn't really overall impressed by anything the Saints did. Um, I think they played good. They just I, I expected a big performance at home, and we didn't get it. Yeah, I was a little surprised about that. Like, and I don't know. Like, there's not much you can do with this team at this point. I mean, you kind of have – you have the core that you have. You're still very much contenders. Your defense showed some promise toward the end of the regular season, but I, I think that Week 17 game was a bad omen. You know, you left your starting defense in there against an undrafted rookie free agent quarterback, uh, and he tore you up for a half. Uh, and then you come out and you you argue that they, you know, again they're a drop away from losing to Philly. Uh, you know, you guys you blow a 13 nothing lead in this game. I mean, so it, it's tough. Look, look the, the referee missing the call at the end there. We're not, the Saints are going to the Super Bowl if that call is made and. We're not talking about any of this. We're not talking about the breeze interception in overtime. You know, we're not talking about their relative lack of running game. We're not talking about them blowing a double-digit home lead. You know, like we're not talking about any of that stuff. But the reality is, is there's been there have been some warts that have popped up over the last few weeks with the Saints that they've been able to overcome. They weren't able to overcome all of those and an absolutely brutal call at the end of the game. Yeah, it was. Uh, I know it's easy to point to that call. I totally get it, and I can assure you, I'd probably be doing the same thing if I was a Saints fan. But at the end of the day, you you had a thirteen nothing lead at home, and you didn't take care of business. A couple times, you're you're down in the red zone, you get the ball back, and you don't score a touchdown. I mean, little things like that 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 hurt you, and not being able to to finish on certain drives at home where you clearly had the advantage because the fans were crazy. I mean, the Jared Goff was struggling in a lot of moments in that game because they could not hear. Uh, so yeah, the fans, I mean, fans did their job. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you have the moment where it comes in the second half, he has his ear holes taped. You have that play where yes, he's talking to Jailed Everett. He has to literally walk into the sideline and they can't get the playoff. I mean, so you can't ask for you – know, I can't ask for more from a home field advantage standpoint. But I don't know. Just I was more impressed – Maybe and, and I know it's not just the offenses, but I was more impressed by the AFC teams and the way they performed in, in key situations than I was the two NFC teams this weekend. Yeah, I think 
we'll, this is a good time for us to transition into that game. I just think the the overall game from an entertainment standpoint, because n- neither one of us, I'm not a fan of, all the, of any of the four of these teams, but from strictly entertainment, I was so entertained by this game and especially obviously the second half and how everything played out. But let's talk about this because I sent it to you before we started this podcast. But to me, when you, it doesn't matter where you're playing the Patriots. If you want to beat this team, you have to be perfect, basically. You have to play. You cannot you cannot make mistakes like D4 did in that moment. And I know it's, it, no, like I just said before, you don't want to pick apart one specific moment, but it's stuff like that that always seems to happen to opposing teams' mental mistakes that are playing the Patriots. And I think it's, it's just an intimidation factor that they have that Belichick and Brady have created and well-deserved because what they're doing is unprecedented. I have to give Tom Brady kudos. I tweeted about it last night. You guys can say, everybody, you can hate on him all you want. What he's doing is unbelievable. It's spectacular to watch as a just as a football fan. I feel lucky to have watched his entire career as a football fan because I've been able to watch him play his entire career. And it's it's insane. I mean, in a league that's meant for parity with the Patriots – Tom Brady and Bill Belichick have done is it's insanity. That's the only word that I can use to describe what, what I've seen over the last 17 years. Yeah. Look, it's, it's, you know, you, you go look back it just, it feels like every, I think Darren Rovell had a tweet uh, that showed like all the years of the Super Bowl, whether or not they involved the Patriots. And, and it's just, it's when it's laid out to you in that format and that visual setting, uh, it's amazing to see there, there's a lot to break down in this game because I thought, Especially the first half, the Patriots left points on the field in a way they usually don't. Yep. Uh, you know, at seven nothing first quarter, fourteen nothing going into halftime. I mean, obviously you have that absolutely mind-numbingly brutal pick in the red zone by Brady, where Gronk was not remotely open. If that wasn't intercepted by Reggie Ragland, it would have been intercepted by the other two Chiefs defenders on Gronkowski in the back of the end zone. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure what happened there, but. Let's let's break it down a little bit. Let's go back to that first touchdown drive because it's the opening drive of the game. Patriots get the ball, and once again, Josh McDaniels comes up with a structured game plan and just absolutely eats the Chiefs defense alive. Spent it was it eight minutes and five seconds on that opening drive yeah. that ends in the starting the touchdown. Just ate them alive. And just converted on three third downs on that drive and just – they pounded the ball. They didn't panic. Short throws to James White, runs by Sony Michelle, and they got down the field. I thought that was a masterful drive by them. They Obviously, they were aggressive at the end of the second quarter. They could have easily played conservative and tried to go in 10-0, but they were aggressive and got that big 29-yard pass to Philip Dorsett. I, I really, really liked the Patriots' game plan in the first half, aside from just that – mind-numbing interception by Brady in the red zone. I thought they played almost a perfect half on offense. On defense, they really had Patrick Mahomes flustered, which I was very surprised early on, which I was very surprised because that's what I thought Mahomes might show in the first quarter or first half last week. I thought after getting that the playoff game and the win out of the way that he wouldn't have reacted like that this week, but he looked all out of sync early on. Yeah, no, he de- he definitely had what I would call the playoff jitters uh, in the first half of this game. And I, I, like you, expected because he had such a great performance last week that that was kind of behind him, uh, which clearly 
sometimes maybe that's the Patriots factor, right? It's a different, different scenario. A lot of you're in the AFC championship game. There's, you know, whatever, whatever athletes say, you know, they listen. Okay. They're on social media. They hear the talk. This is a huge game. It's the, you know, the old guard versus the new guard. There's a lot of expectations from Kansas city and from their chiefs fans. And at the end of the day, they were favored at home. And, and I think there was a lot of hype surrounding this game. And in the first half, Mahomes was, was not great. He, he wasn't himself. He was clearly flustered. Um, and like you said, from an offensive side of the football, I have to, I have to say this funny story because I'm watching the game with a group of friends. And one of our friends is, is from Wisconsin and is a huge Green Bay fan. And we watched that first drive. And he looks over at me and he goes, I can't believe we didn't hire Josh McDaniels. Because in that, in that moment, he's watching a, a masterful offensive performance from Tom Brady. And if you're a Rodgers fan and you're a Green Bay fan, you're watching that going, man, oh man. I just thought I had to tell you that because I thought I thought it was so funny that in that moment, he's he's not thinking about, he's not in the game at all. What he's thinking about is, man, what what a per, what a what a great game plan from Josh McDaniels. Cause like you said, I mean it was I looked over and I was like, man, it's 20, it's been like 20 minutes and the Patriots still have the ball. <laughs> like yeah. it, it was it was insane the way they started that game. It was. It was smashful. Now, to, to the credit of the Chiefs, their defense sucks. <laughs> I, 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 me and Jake have thought about this all year. He can say all he wants about there's playmakers. They look, no, they suck. That is a bad defensive unit. Yes, like, period. Like, I, I said this to Jake before on the podcast. Like, I just – stop it. Uh, every defense in the NFL has a playmaker or two. That doesn't make your defense good. No. Um, so this defense is atrocious, and it's going to be the biggest issue they have to figure out in the offseason. They just absolutely – have to figure out something else, and they really need to go. Dra- they really need to draft heavy on the defensive side of the ball. Don't waste a high pick on a running back. Damian Williams looks fine. Just you're gonna have to fix that side of the ball because th- this is it's a disaster, particularly in the secondary. But um, I did what I did like though is that Reed, Bieniemy, and Mahomes adjusted at halftime, and they I thought they had a very strong opening drive in the first half, a second half. It ends in that, that Travis Kelsey touchdown. They looked good. They were clicking on all cylinders. And that's kind of where things picked up for Kansas City. I know they didn't really they didn't score again to the fourth quarter when they get 24 points in the quarter. But they really started to kind of look like themselves again. And they got the Patriots on their heels because a lot of teams, when they play the Patriots and they get behind, they can't keep up offensively with Brady. They get within a score. They get within 10 points. And then Brady and McDaniels and company just go off on them. The Chiefs, they're not afraid offensively. They can put up points in bunches, which they did. Um, and then obviously the, the huge the huge play is this game is probably over. Uh, again, odds are you're still giving Brady the ball back with about 50 seconds and no timeouts to drive the field. But if, if D Ford's not offside there uh, and they have the interception, there's a very strong chance they win that game when it's not even a question. But that's, again, it's a mental mistake. And I, it looks like, Trent Brown, the tackle, was lined up in the backfield, which should have also been called. But you got to look inside and look at the ball. Like, you got to look to your left and see where the ball is and not line up in the neutral zone. They didn't cause you to jump. This wasn't a hard count situation. You literally willfully put your hand down in the neutral zone. Yeah. Like, you just cannot do that. No, you can't do it in, like, quite significantly into the neutral zone. I mean, it was very apparent to see on television. And I'm watching and I'm going, oh, no. Oh no! Because in that moment you're going, "Wow, the Chiefs—they did it! They—they find they, somebody beat the Patriots. Like they, it might actually be over. This might actually be the end of it." Uh, and as we know, a different story was told 
And I, I want to take a moment to discuss the drive in overtime because I think it was impressive the way – listen, the, what the Chiefs showed in the fourth quarter was highly impressive, uh, being able to score as many points as they did, look kind of like themselves. And if they had played like that all game long, we're probably talking about the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Uh, but again, Mahomes and company struggled in the first half, and Belichick, to his credit, like usual – did a good job taking away certain aspects of that offense. And they, like you said, in the second half made adjustments, but it was too little too late. And at the end of the day, you give Tom Brady the ball. And I know it's a coin flip and I know everyone's, you know, complaining about the overtime rules, but stop them on defense. I'm sorry. I I understand the coin flip and I understand that everybody wants them to change to college football rules, but there isn't really a great way for overtime rules to happen. And at the end of the day, if you want to win the football game, stop them. Don't let them go sure. eight yards and score a touchdown. I know it sucks. And I know I, I totally wish that we would have been able to see Mahomes. But at the end of the day, Chiefs fans can't say that's the reason they lost the football game because your defense couldn't make a stop. You keep them to a field well, goal they, and you get the ball. Literally could not make a, they literally <laughs> could not make a stop for us in that, the final 20 minutes of that game. Yeah. Uh, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the overtime rules before we talk about the drive. Um Obviously, it's better than what it was before because at least you have to score a touchdown instead of a field goal. Yep. Um, my proposal, if they asked me if I became the czar of football tomorrow. Great, I'm in. What I would do in the playoffs, and again, this is not the most exciting, but I think it's the most fair. I would play overtime as the fourth quarter, the entire quarter. Oh. You play all 15 minutes. Okay. And if you need more time, you go to a second quarter. Um, uh, to me, I think you should you should play it as if it's the fourth quarter again in a tie game and just keep playing it in the playoffs only. I get you don't want to have these massive – marathons in the regular season with all these games and teams that have to come on four day short weeks and all that stuff. But uh, I would I, hypothetically, my solution is not, and I know the college system would be the most enjoyable uh, and the most aesthetically pleasing, but I would just literally replay over. I would play overtime as if it was the fourth quarter again. Yeah. I think Because that the other team going on a 15 minute drive, I have never seen it. Yeah, no, I, 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 so, I think that that from a from a hey, what makes the most sense, not what's most entertaining, because those are two different conversations, right? What's most entertaining yeah. is not what's fair. Okay, those are those are two different conversations. What's most entertaining would obviously probably be college rules. As as somebody who watched that LSU game that had seven overtimes, you're talking pure entertainment value, right? I mean, that's if you have that in the NFL, you're going back and forth, and that's in this scenario where you're watching Mahomes and Brady. That's what everybody was why this conversation is happening because everybody wanted to see Mahomes get the ball back. I totally understand that, but you can't change the rules. And at the end of the day, you want the defense to you get a stop. Sorry. That's why you lost the football game. Not because of the overtime rules, but because your defense could not make a stop and they ran the ball down your throat. Thank you so much. Rex Burkhead. Go big red. Uh, had to get that in there, Jamie. Uh, but from yeah. a- I mean, he was blocked for that game, but sure, he gets he gets the he gets the, yeah. the, the nod there. He, did, he gets the he gets the nod there. Always like seeing a Husker get in the end zone, especially in a big moment. Uh, but from from a rules perspective, I think this is I think what you bring to the table is a great idea. So I want to propose this to the Twitterverse. So if you're listening to this podcast and you think of a great way uh, other than what Jamie has already proposed to do overtime, please feel free to tweet at us. Cause I want to, I want to see these ideas. We should probably use this as a creative, uh, creative idea to get the fans involved in the show throughout the off season. 
Cause uh, maybe, maybe when I'm at Super Bowl next week, I can go hang out with Roger and just tell him, Hey, listen, I got this great idea. Uh, if you want to make me, you know, assistant to, to the commissioner, feel free. And uh, I will give you this idea for free. So if you have, yeah, if, you have yeah. if you have great overtime rule ideas, uh, please feel free to tweet them at me and Jamie or at TD fantasy underscore. want to, want to get the fans involved in the off season since we're going to have to, we won't have football to talk about. So we gotta, we gotta come up with some good creative topics. But Jamie, I want you to discuss the overtime drive because it was masterful. It was masterful. Yeah, it was. It was. It almost mirrored their first drive. And yes, I know everybody is mad at Andy Reid for not calling a timeout in the red zone there to, to give his his defense some some breathing time, and he probably should have. But it wouldn't have mattered. The Patriot, like, yeah. I, I've never, I, I've never felt the drive was more inevitable. I mean, they were just. I mean, they're just ripping off chunks of yards through the air on the ground. It just. To me, it was – that coin toss was so huge because, again, the weakest unit on the field for any of the teams was the Chiefs defense. Yep. That was the weakest unit on the field. And you were, to expect them to stop Tom Brady and Sonny Michelle in this scenario was just – you didn't think – they they were going to keep them off the board. The only question was whether or not they could keep them out of the end zone, and they clearly they couldn't. Um, and then I want to go back to something I said in the middle of the season because I think it applies here. And I thought about it again last night. I talked – obviously the Patriots Super Bowl window is open for as long as Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are playing and coaching together. But I think the addition of Sony Michelle has propped up that window and it makes it even a little bit more open. Uh, I just I, – he's given that Patriots offense a completely different dynamic than they've had. They haven't been able to run the ball consistently for a, from almost the entirety of their run. They've had peace – they've had times here and there – um, you know, there were times where like Corey Dillon looked good. Um, there were like three or four week stretches with Ben Jarvis, Queen Ellis looked good, but they haven't been able to consistently. I mean, you think about some of the backs that have been there, the, you know, the Sammy Morris and the Lawrence Maroney's and all, all of these, like these mishmash of below average starting caliber running backs that, that, that come through New England. Having a legitimate running game with Sony Michelle and their best pass catching option, period. He is better than Kevin Falk. He is better than Deion Lewis. James White on the backfield has really allowed this Patriots offense to continue to operate at a high level, even if Brady's weapons have slowly started to disintegrate since their almost perfect season. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think from every other perspective, you probably look at this team and, and I'll pose the question, is this, is this, in your opinion, the least talented version aka this roster that we've seen the Patriots and and Tom Brady bring into the Super Bowl I'm not sure I ha- I'd have to take a look it's 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 different because it's the least it's more they're more talented on offense than the last time the Patriots played the Rams in the Super Bowl yep. in Brady's first Super Bowl win but those defensive teams early on were elite units or at least top 10 units for a while. And that, their defense now is nowhere near that caliber. Uh, I, I'd have to look at this one and compare it to the – I mean, I, they're more talented, I think, than last year's team was, the loss to the Eagles. I don't – I'd have to go back and look and see how it compares to the, the one where they lost to the Giants the second time, the Mario Manningham catch and drive. Yep. Um, but but – it's it's clearly not one of their better ones. Yes. Put it that way. Yeah, I think it. I think it's an interesting offseason discussion, especially depending on if they if they do end up winning the Super Bowl. I think it's a it's an interesting discussion to go back and go roster and look at the roster and go. 
I mean, especially for me, I think the most glaring thing different is that this version of Gronkowski is so significantly worse than we've ever seen him before, right? And I get it. Everybody wants to make him out of the the blocking tight end of the year. And while he's, yes. Yeah, you know, relax. Relax, okay? He's doing doing exactly what tight ends are supposed to do when they block, okay? Uh, But from a pass-catching part of his job, he is – quite i mean it is glaringly obvious how how much he has decreased um his his uh his level of of success in that offense i mean he is not getting the ball as much he looks about two steps slower than he's ever been and i think for me that's where i look at that and go man this version of gronkowski is is almost not like nothing out there from an offensive catching perspective for Tom Brady and where in the past he's been so clearly the number one option and so great that I think that's why in my head I'm looking at their their team and going yeah this team isn't that great and and somehow some way they always get it done yeah and look it's Gronkowski's a damn good blocker don't get me wrong but I'm not convinced he's even the best blocking tight end on this team (laughs) I mean Dwayne Allen is really good at that at that role too uh, it's 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 interesting because it, it's changed so much because Sony Michelle and what they're doing on the ground now is better than any running game I think they've had at any Super Bowl team. But they, they they with Josh Gordon out of the fold, that passing offense is all a little bit all over the place. And all Ju- Julian Edelman does is catch stupidly contested balls on third down yeah. for first downs now, which is, is great. Which is they've always had that guy, whether it was Welker or Edelman, or I mean they always have that one guy or, or Tim Brown for a while, but like. It, it just – to me, it's it, – collectively on this team, when you're so well coached and you have – it's not balance on offense because I think the term balance is overrated. It's are you effective on both sides or both aspects of offense. Yeah. That's more important than balance to me. Uh, and they are effective when they throw the ball and effective when they run the ball almost equally, which is such a threat when you have great coaching and you have a Hall of Fame quarterback as well. It just – to me, it's just like I, I never. They shouldn't be here, no. but they are, yeah. and they are. And the reason they, they've been there the last two years is because they don't make mistakes, and they are so well coached, and they have enough talent to get to that point. But they haven't been the most talented team in the AFC for probably at least five years now. Yeah, no, it's it's a credit to, and I use the word manufacture on purpose because I actually love Tom Brady. Okay. I know a lot of people hate on Tom Brady. I love Tom Brady. I would, if he was my quarterback, I'd probably build a statue outside of my house of, of him. Hey, you got, a, you got a pro bowl quarterback now in Chicago. You're damn right. Do you not see the news you're, today? You're damn right we do. You're damn right we do. And that, yeah, LOL. We'll, see, we'll see 15 years from now if I'm building a Mitchell Trubisky statue. But let, let me go on this. Spoiler, you won't be. <laughs> let, let me go on this tangent about Tom. Listen, Tom is Tom is the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't want to hear any arguments otherwise Green Bay and people tweeting at me. Uh, listen, he, he what he has done, and I use the word manufacture on purpose because last week after they lo- after they won in Foxborough and and just completely blew the doors off the LA Chargers, his post game interview, he said, "We suck. Nobody thinks we can win any games." We'll see and winks at the camera. When he said that, I I thought to myself, I go, they are winning the Super Bowl because he has manufactured in his mind this story that they are underdogs. And while I love Tom, no one in that game, they were 
actually not underdogs. They were four-point favorites at home. And two, nobody in their right mind could ever actually say that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, when healthy, are actually underdogs in any game and couldn't and don't have a chance to win. I mean, that's just, it's not true. It's just quite frankly, not true. And I think it's very funny that Tom, I don't want to say funny. It's, it's, it's crazy to watch him because he's such a psycho competitor that he has this 17 or 18 years later, he has this chip on his shoulder where he's still trying to prove everybody wrong that doubted him so long ago that nobody doubts him anymore. I mean, he's universally known as the best quarterback in the league and, and the best quarterback of all time, but he still has this fire in him. And I think that's what I admire about him most is that he doesn't have anything to prove to anybody. He could retire today and be done and, and, and never have to, never have to worry about anything ever again. No one would argue about him being the greatest, nothing, but he has this drive. And when he said that, I, I just, I couldn't help myself, but think to myself, I go, oh, it's, it, this is over. It, it, they're, it, it's game over. Like, that's nice. Thanks for playing Chiefs and Rams. I'm, I'm sure it'll be a fun Super Bowl. But he has, in his head, built this up. And I tweeted a photo of him yesterday where he looks like an assassin sitting on the sideline waiting to take out the Chiefs. And I just, he has this crazy competitive level. And I'm, I'm so, I just love it. I, I'm so interested in it. And I love who he is as a competitor. And I wish that he was my quarterback. I, I don't, if you think, if you think otherwise you're lying to yourself, cause there's nobody who wouldn't want to have him as their quarterback. It, it'll be fascinating to see how history looks back on Tom Brady, because again, spoiler alert, I wasn't alive in the eighties. So I can't tell you what the scuttlebutt was when Joe Montana was winning all the Super Bowls at the time. And the 49ers were all, it felt like they were always there or the Steelers in the seventies when they felt like always there. So I, I don't know if this, this, this same level of, I, I called it earlier, Patriots fatigue existed back then. I imagine it did. And we always kind of, you always look back at history and sports, at least with kind of the rose colored glasses. You remembered the good times, uh, but you don't remember some of the things around them. So I don't know if this was the same experience that guys like Joe Montana or, or Terry Bradshaw, even though just different types of, uh, different levels of how they got their teams to those Super Bowls, but I just mean the way those teams were there all the time. Sure. Even they weren't didn't have a run like the Patriots did. Um, but still, I, but I wonder what history looks back because I think right now there was just so much. We're sick of seeing Brady, or Brady beats my team every year, or this and that, and, and I think some of his greatness gets lost in the moment. And I am very curious to see how. 10, 15, 20 years after his retirement, what it looks like when we look back at the Patriots empire. Because it feels like right now Belichick is, especially since that perfect season, has gotten all of the credit that he has deserved. And and I don't think uh, – he had to work it back because people found – after the, the Spygate stuff, people lost their minds. Uh, but he's kind of worked it back now where literally nobody on earth is questioning anything Belichick ever does or did or anything no. But we still kind of have this – I don't mean in the moment with Brady because every time like they lose by 14 on on the road in a national football uh, – in a national televised game, everyone says they're done, which is stupid and everybody should know better than that. There's also a difference between being done and a team that they might be able to have somebody else go to the Super Bowl in the AFC. They are two different things that people always conflate. But I still feel like there's a lot of yeah buts with Brady. And, and, and it's fascinating to me because – you know the one thing I don't hear now? We don't talk about how terrible Peyton Manning was in the playoffs almost every Thank time. You. 
You know why? Because he's retired for three or four years now. It was a major talking point when he was playing. Even when he was playing in Denver, it was a major talking point. But three or four years down the road, we seem to forget that. We seem to forget that Brett Favre, as good as he was, threw more mind-numbing, crippling, game-losing interceptions in big moments for the Packers and the Vikings and for that brief season at the end of the Jets' run in the regular season. But we forget that because he's been retired for a few years now. I want to see what that turns into for Brady three, four, five, ten years after retirement and how we look back at the career and if we truly appreciate the, the, just the amazing dynasty and the salary cap era yeah. that is the Patriots and everything that's gone into yeah, it. Yeah, and I think that's the, that's the point of my Tom Love rant is that I, I understand – listen, I, the team that I love and grew up rooting for is in the NFC – so I, I get it. My There's no rivalry between the Bears and the Patriots. The only time they ever played in the Super Bowl, the Bears spanked the Patriots in 1985. And I wasn't alive for that. So listen, there's no there's no bad blood between between the cities, between Boston, Chicago. There's no so I get it. If I was if I was in if I was in their division, you know, if I'm a Jets fan or if I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, I get it. I get why you hate Tom Brady. I totally understand. Just stick stick with me for a second. Just understand that what you're watching is unprecedented, and we will ne- we will never. I feel totally confident saying this. We will never, ever, ever see a combination like what we've seen with Belichick and Brady. And for a second, you should just think about that and appreciate the greatness that we're watching because it's never going to happen again. We're never going to. Yeah, not, not for not for an 18 year run no, like it's this. Not gonna happen. I can. I could see a team getting good enough where they could win three Super Bowls in five years or four Super Bowls in six years. I could see that happening again. I can't see nine Super Bowl appearances in 18 seasons. I just can't see that. And and nine, nine, I mean, the amount of AFC championship games they've been to, they've won of 15 of 16 years. They've won the, they've won their division title. It's just not going to happen again. It's just not going to. And I think that's the part of it that I, while I understand if this was, you know, if this was a team that maybe played in the division that I played in, how it would be harder for me to to swallow that pill of wow, be be happy what you're watching. I get that, I understand that, but at the same time, as a as a football fan, as somebody who just enjoys watching football, I have to at least. I, I think it would be disrespectful to not at least bring it up that what we're watching is so incredible, and we should just be a little thankful that we get to watch it. Because, like you said, you and I weren't alive. We can we didn't get to watch Joe Montana. We didn't get to watch all these. So when my dad speaks about you know how incredible it was to watch Joe Montana, that's how I feel about watching Tom Brady. That while my dad grew up in Chicago and was a huge Bears fan, he remembers how dominant Joe Montana was, and for him, that was so special. So that's kind of what I'm getting at with Tom Brady is what we're watching is what we're watching is special. And at the end of the day, you guys know this about me. If you follow me on Twitter, I love pettiness and Tom Brady posting that video post game playing the bad boy song with him and Gronkowski is so amazing. And I would retweet it until the end of time because I actually, I don't think I've ever loved a video from another, from an athlete that's not from Chicago more than I love that video. It's, it's incredible. And if you haven't seen it, please go, Look it up because it is so funny, and Gronkowski's face in the video makes it even funnier. And I just, I just want to hang out with Tom and Gronkowski just one time, just because they look like they're so fun. Even if I just drink, I don't think I, I don't think I could party with Gronk. I think I would be dead. I think I would just drink. I would I think I would just have green juice and just hang out with Tom. Probably him and Giselle. I'd be cool with that too. Just hang out with them for a day. 
adopt me, adopt yeah. me into the Brady family, please and thank you. Just don't ask him about how like <laughs> water prevents sunburns and all the other weird stuff with Tom Brady and like uh, weird quarterbacks believe in. Yeah, it's uh, it's a strange, uh, but you know, whatever he does, it's working, man. Can't can't fault him for for what he's doing and all the emphasis he puts on his body and and how he takes care of himself. Uh, James, is there anything else you want to discuss before we end the podcast today? Uh, I mean, well, I think one thing we should discuss. I don't want to get too deep into the Super Bowl stuff yet because you're going to get beaten over the head with it for two weeks. Um, so I don't want to do that here. Let's get let's let these two really strong championship games breathe. Considering uh, it was a very underwhelming postseason from a just a game quality standpoint up until yesterday. Uh, but I think you should probably tell our listeners a little bit about what you're going to be doing the next few days. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's definitely something you guys are going to want to check out. So the Draft Network is uh, going to be in Mobile, Alabama, and you guys are going to want to check out all the content. So you should go to thedraftnetwork.com. They were at the Shrine Bowl last week. So if you're – listen, if your team is not – currently in the postseason, which means nearly all of you, since there's only the Patriots and the Rams left, you're pure. And only one of those teams. (laughs) And only one of those teams cares. Your pure focus right now should be on the draft. And there is nobody that is better at telling you about Mm -hmm. these, about these players that are coming out of college football than the draft network. And let me tell you, these guys have been grinding. They, I think they have 500 draft profiles done now, which is absolute insanity and we're not talking about these guys have watched like two minutes of film and they come up with a couple of buzzwords we're talking grinding hours and hours of talking to coaches and staffs and going to games and watching film uh listen you are going to want to watch and pay attention over the next few months to what the draft network is doing because it's going to be incredible all the content's going to be amazing and there's going to be so much information about what could be the future of your organization, whether that's you're interested in some of the quarterbacks that are coming out, which are few and far between, or you need a defensive guy to come and change, change the outlook of, of your team. Looking at you, Nick Bosa, uh, listen, these are all things that you're going to want to pay attention to. So be sure to check out the draft network. They're going to be putting out some amazing, amazing content. And, and I can't say enough about it. Yeah, I second that motion as well. I spent a couple years ago, I was at the Senior Bowl with a lot of those guys down there and uh, that make up the Draft Network now when we were fan rag sports. And I'll tell you, it, it, it's a real fun experience being down there. Uh, there are a lot of really good players. There are, a lot of, there, are, there are day one players that are playing in that game uh, in Mobile that are doing those practices. But a lot of those guys are going to be day two, day three guys. But there are some day one guys there that, that you're going to want to pay attention to. Um, those guys do a great job down there. And, you know, it, it, it's kind of the unofficial start of draft season for me. Um, And I know, I guess, once the national championships are over. But to me, that's the unofficial start because I know the Shrine game is there, but this is where everybody goes into full scouting mode Uh, from here on out. There's only one NFL game left in the year. Uh, This is where everybody can kind of focus in uh, and hone in on the scouting process. It's going to be really awesome down there. Uh, So, again, follow Paige, follow along the draft guys. If you follow me at at Jamie Eisner, uh, on Twitter, you can see I tagged a bunch of the guys that you can then follow uh, from the Draft Network and beyond that are going to be covering the events down there. Uh, I still haven't got over. Somebody stole my giant peanut butter-filled football from the press box a couple years ago. I got over it. Um, so I feel like you should steal one back from somebody just to make yeah, up for listen, it. Listen, Jamie, I'm here. I'm here for you, and I'm here for the people. So if I gotta if I gotta take something down for you, it looks like I'm gonna have to bring something back with me for you. So don't worry about it. I got you. I got you. I'll, I'll bring. I'll bring yeah. something good back. For you. We would- 
We were too busy working and doing our jobs, and by the time I got back to the press box, somebody had stolen it, so I'm, I'm very unhappy. Yeah, I can tell. It's a couple of years later, and you're still talking about it. Uh, James? I want my peanut butter. Literally, there's, there's actual football size. Like, I can't emphasize this enough. It is an actual football-sized, NFL regulation almost, football. A chocolate football with peanut butter in it by Reese's, because it's the Reese's Senior oh Bowl. Oh, my God. That sounds amazing. And I was too – I guess I was too busy talking to O.J. Howard, <laughs> and somebody stole – my damn Reese's peanut butter ball. I, uh, football. I want it back. Listen, I thought you said just a peanut butter filled like football. I didn't know you were talking Reese's like a, a like a life size like a football size Reese's peanut butter cup. Yeah, like it, was, it was like yes. And I, by the way, I hope you guys get one this year. I don't know if they give that out every year, uh, but I hope you guys get one. But if you do, make sure you my my pro tip: hide it before you go to the field uh, on game day because. It won't be there when we get back. Coveted stuff we got going on. Uh, that is so funny. All right, James, how can everybody follow you on social media? If you follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter or at JME Eisner on Guys, Instagram. You can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye on both Instagram and Twitter. And you should follow, please, at TD Fantasy underscore on both Instagram and Twitter. And please leave us a review. Uh, we live for the reviews. So if you guys can go on iTunes or Spotify, Stitcher, any of those, leave us a review. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. And uh, obviously hit us up on social media. Like I said, we want to hear what your ideas are for overtime. So hit us up. Let us know what your ideas are. And maybe we'll give a shout out to a couple of the best ones on the next episode thanks for listening uh and enjoy the holiday swimsuit check sunscreen check phone charger check don't forget to pack the five hour energy it fits great in a pocket or carry-on and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything now get 20 percent off when you use code 5he travel at fivehourenergy.com Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5hourenergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.